You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. This is a no foreplay episode. It's going to be short. It's going to be sweet. We're talking strategy right now, this time of year, for this upcoming weekend and this time it's just about pre-rut, could be pre-rut, depending on where you live and the activity that's going on in the uh, uh, in your region or in your area or even as small as your particular farm. I know that uh, in some of the places that I've hunted in the past, this 20th through the 25th was the first time I really started seeing the big boys on their feet during daylight now on this new farm that i hunt the big dogs don't start showing up uh, in daylight until somewhere around the the 28th so a little bit later into next week but uh today we are today we're, we're talking straight up strategy no guests just me telling you what i would do if i was going to go out hunting right now and uh, my goal is to get out in the next couple of days. We got a we got a cold front coming through Iowa, another one. And this time for like three or four days, it's going to be a high of 33 degrees. It's going to be really cold uh, throughout the night in the high 20s. And uh, then it's going to start warming up a little bit uh, to, to that Halloween time frame. But before we get into that, uh, I got a story to tell. We're going to do a commercial real quick. Real quick, Vortex Optics, man. If you haven't had the opportunity to put a pair of Vortex Optics to your eyes, whether it's the rangefinder, whether it's a spotting scope, whether it's a rifle scope, whether it's a pair of binoculars, these guys make some badass equipment. Uh, VortexOptics.com. Go check out the. Uh, go check out uh, all the products that these guys make, all the optics that they make. And if you got a question, call them. 
because these guys are more than happy to help you pick the right optic for whatever it is you need, whether it's for your gun or for deer hunting or Western hunting or whatever it is. These guys, they make it a goal to really have good, you know, not good, but great customer service and they have a badass warranty. Here's how the warranty goes. If you break it or whether it's an accident or you do it on purpose or whatever, whatever it is, you send it in to them. They fix it. If they can't fix it, they replace it, and it's no charge to you, right? That's their warranty. If it breaks, they fix it, and they send it back to you. So all for free. Um, so that is Vortex Optics, vortexoptics.com. Go check them out. The Before I get into this episode, I just got a call from my insurance company, and they ended up totaling out my truck. So what that means is I can get one big sum, and that goes to paying off my truck, and then I have to go buy a new new one. The, the smaller option would be it goes to paying off the rest of my truck. I get my truck back, but then I'm still responsible for all the damages, and it's like almost seven grand worth of damages. So, so now I got to start looking for a new vehicle this time of year, especially <laughs> this time of year. I don't know about you, but the truck prices start to come up because winter is coming and at the same time dude i don't know about you guys but i absolutely hate truck shopping and vehicle shopping it it could be worse than actually shopping for clothes like i don't know i i just don't like looking at vehicles online than going and test driving i'm that guy's like okay looks good just buy it you know like i just i've never had really good experiences with buying new vehicles and everything that i'm looking at as far as my price range i don't want to buy a brand new vehicle because i'm pretty hard on you know driving through fields and stuff so i'm looking at a vehicle that's going to be 10 to 15 years old and uh all I really care about is that it has four-wheel drive and cruise control. I don't even give a shit if it has power windows or, like, I don't need all these fancy bells and whistles. I need a heater. I need a cruise control, four-wheel drive, and maybe an a- an FM radio. I could even probably get by with an AM radio. I don't, I don't need a CD player. I don't need power windows. Um so as long as it can haul a deer and make the trip to South Dakota or Michigan or wherever it is. But uh, so what I'm getting at is thanks a lot, Michigan, for uh, me having to buy a new vehicle. Uh, so <laughs> that sucks, but I guess I got to do what I got to do. Now, today's topic is hunting this time of year. We got this weekend coming up and a lot of guys, because their jobs only get, get to get out during the weekends. So This isn't me telling you what you should do. This is me telling you what I would do if I was going to be going out and hunting this year or this, uh, this weekend. And I might get out a couple, you know, a couple sets this weekend or into early next week, but I'm really trying to bide my time and burn all my bridges for, for the rut, uh, once Halloween's over, but here's the deal. And I'm just going to kick it off the way that I would do it. And uh, that's trail camera data, right? So this time of year, I really start to ramp up all of my trail camera. Uh, You know, I have all my trail cameras out. 
I, I'm checking them as often as I can. I, I don't want to say every day because we're still sitting at that borderline between when the bucks are starting to get more active during daylight. You know, we're starting to see sign uh, pop up, rubs and scrape. I mean, according to a lot of biologists, this is peak. We're, we're approaching peak signage, which means they're laying the most scrapes, they're laying the most rubs, and they're getting ramped up for the rut. And um, so where I have my trail cameras right now, fence crossings, pinch points, open scrapes, uh, major trails, uh, any any staging areas that will give me a, like a main trail coming in and even road crossings. So I have, uh, those are where I have my uh, trail cameras. Now I do have some deeper in closer to where some of my tree stands are at, but these cameras are easy to get to easy access. And I'm checking them. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to check them this once every four or five days period. So that way, if I do get a deer on camera, that is getting close to daylight. I know when I need to make a move on him. Now, if you don't, if you get a picture of a buck and he's in daylight, make that move as soon as you possibly can, right? Do your research, do your, hopefully by now you've got the scouting. If you got a, a buck showing up on a scrape and he's in daylight, make that move in the timber, catch him at a staging area or catch him coming to the field edge. Um, I'm not the kind of guy who really likes to sit on field edges. I'm going in into the timber and uh, trying to catch them before they make it to the field edge. However, on the opposite side, if you have a daylight picture or excuse me, a nighttime picture of a buck, let's say it's uh, two hours past, uh, you know, two hours past or it's the middle of the night or two hours before sunrise. Personally, I almost treat that like no picture at all. It's good to know that this buck is in the area, but what I'm doing is I, I'm not making a move on him because I know that if he's two hours past light, he's going to come even through a staging area or through a pinch point. More than likely, he's going to be coming through there not, uh, nocturnal as well. So I would just continue to monitor the, monitor the trail cameras at that point and wait for maybe a big cold front or uh, a day with a lot of rain. And as the rain stops, get in the tree stand as quickly as possible. Um, I got, of the deer that are on my wall, I think four of them were killed the evening or the morning after a major 48-hour rain or a big 30, 24-hour rain where the rain just set in for a day or two and it just soaked everything that front passed it you know that high pressure moved in the deer start getting on their feet and man they're they're it's almost like the first thing they want to do is make their lap as soon as they can lay their sign down first let everybody know that they're there and uh 2018 my biggest buck did just that i mean that late it was almost like the last raindrop hit and i turn around and there he was so if we get a big weather pattern um, that might be a time to jump in in the timber as well. Uh, historical data is another thing. Let's just say that you you may not have any trail camera uh, pictures of uh, 
of a hit list buck, but last year you did and the year before you did. So now you have some historical data that kind of tells you, man, maybe I should get in a tree, you know, right now. And, um, you know, catch something laying sign on, on its way. For me, I, I, I keep repeating this, but I'm not a field edge hunter. You know, I don't have any food plots. So a picked cornfield or a picked bean field just doesn't do it for me. I like to get in and typically what I'm finding, and this is a bullet point I have here, is maybe find a staging area, some place that could be a food source or almost like a mini bedding area or some place that's slowing deer down to lay sign in some thicker cover before they make their way to the destination food source, like a big ag field or a food plot by the end of the night. So um, you can do that with or without trail camera pictures, right? So what I do is I monitor my trail cameras. If you don't have trail cameras, um, maybe use that historical data data from sign, you know, sightings from your tree stand from previous years, or uh, wait for that big cold front with a lot of precipitation to come through. Now let's remember, pre rut is not the rut, right? So they're they're getting interested, but the big mature bucks they are not they're not dog and does right now. They, you know, unless there is a, a, a doe that's in heat real early, the small bucks, I've got a lot of reports that there are small bucks starting to push does, but the big dogs, they know better and they know that they can push these little uh, bucks away when the does actually do come into heat. But uh, right now, I think they're just laying sign, let, letting everybody know they're de- there. And sooner or later, they're going to start creeping closer to daylight every single day um, if they're not spooked. So there's that. Now, let's see here. And I've kind of, I'm kind of going through this really quickly, and that's the whole point of this. You know, hopefully this is an episode that you can listen in the truck on your way to the tree stand or on your way to your hunting spot or you know, as you're lacing up your boots to get in the truck to go to your hunting spot. But if you don't have trail camera data, the next thing I'm doing is fresh sign, right? For me, I have access to quite a bit of acres. And this might not be something a guy with only 20 acres should do. But just if you do have access to more acres or you feel like you can scout your property this time of year and do it in a non-invasive manner, then go for a little walk and look for that fresh sign. Um, maybe after maybe midday or after the deer come through to go back to their bedding areas, go for a little walk and make sure your wind isn't blowing into where the deer are and look for that fresh sign. And as you are looking for that fresh sign, hell, bring a tree stand with you and set up right over top of it. I'm, I'm talking like day sign, 20 sign that's inside 24 hours, fresh rubs that still have the fibers from the tree hanging off of it, fresh scrapes that, you know, there's this time of year, leaves are falling all over the place or pine needles, you know, are falling all over the place. So you'll, you'll be able to know just by looking at a scrape that's open, that that scrape has been open, you know, it was opened up in the past, you know, 24 hours. And I, I feel like 24 hours to 18 hours is fresh sign. And a, a buck still might be in some kind of a pattern, whether he's going to a food source 
or he's heading back to his bed. Um, so what this time of year, yes, I'm finding that nocturnal sign on the field edges, but going back to staging areas, I'm, I'm going into the timber more following a trail or, uh, you know, typically what happens is I find a scrape that's on a field edge and it's right where a trail enters into the field. So I'll walk that trail back until I find another thicket and that's where the sign starts to appear. And if you see multiple rubs, multiple scrapes in that area, I'm calling that a staging area. And that might be where a guy would want to set up. That's where I would definitely set up depending on the wind direction and how fresh that sign is. So uh, definitely keep an eye on, on the sign there. Um, Okay. So, the next thing that I want to talk about real quick is hunting mornings, right? A lot of people are, will, will tell you, dude, don't hunt mornings. Don't hunt mornings. Don't hunt mornings. This time of year where the deer are on their feet and they are laying sign, you know, at an increased rate, that means that they're probably also laying sign coming back to their bed which means it's going to take them longer to come back to their bed. So what, what I do is if I'm, if I'm going to, if I have Intel that tells me to hunt mornings and I'm going to try to catch a buck coming back to a, um, an identified bedding area or a ridge point or, um, a big fat edge where, you know, the deer are crossing. I almost flip how I have it set up. So the distance from the staging area to the, to the food source at, at an evening hunt, roughly that's how far away from the bedding area I try to stay. So that way, if I'm coming in, he's already past me. I'm not necessarily bumping him out of his bedding area, but if he's still out cruising his circuit, I'm close enough to that bedding area to where I may not bump him. And then he'll come through at some point. Um, there's, there's a risk involved with that a little bit if he is coming you know through during the during the mornings but there's a risk every morning that you hunt right you're not being able to see and you're going in making a lot of noise while the deer are on their feet even during the rut right so um i like to do that with a lock a lock rock solid access route right you get your your access point your access route has to be on point uh, in order for something like this to work, right? Uh, I'm not hunting field edges typically uh, ever, but if I if I did, I wouldn't be doing it in the mornings. I'm getting back in the timber. I'm getting back into their furthest away from, you know, downwind of the bedding areas. And as I get closer to the rut, I'm starting to creep closer and closer and closer to these bedding areas where I know the does are and, you know, get downwind of them. And of course you got to have the good access routes to get to these places. Um, really a good access route to get to any of your, your tree stand locations or areas of your property that, uh, that where you want to intercept a deer. Um, I mentioned that the, the deer are on their feet more, uh, making the sign so it could potentially take them longer to get back. And what really seals the deal for me is if I have trail camera pictures of a deer, not necessarily at daylight in the morning, but close to daylight. 
right? So that means that if he's if he's 30 minutes to an hour before shooting light on one part of the farm, and I think I have another trail camera picture of him somewhere between point A and point B, you know, this travel corridor that he's that he's running, then that's a good that's a good enough information for me to get back and hunt closer to that bedding area and try to catch him coming back. Um, there's been times where that's really worked well, but then there's been times where right at gray light, I can't really identify what deer it is, but he's a big body deer. I know he has antlers and he's come through. Um, and that's why it's important to make sure that your, your access route and your wind is right. So when he goes through and you don't have a shooting opportunity, you're not spooking him. So there's that. Other than that, guys, I, that's all I really want to touch base on. That is how I am identifying where I am hunting. You know, I, I very rarely hunt food sources. I'll just repeat myself here. Uh, destination food sources. I am the kind of guy who I don't need to see a ton of deer. I need to see one deer and that's the deer that I want to shoot or, you know, in a good pinch point where deer start to make their way through um, and just continue to observe my trail camera data. And if I don't have a trail camera in that particular area, really check for the freshest sign. So hopefully this information um, has you thinking, like I said, I don't hunt where you hunt. So you have to take what I say and apply it to your properties. But uh, just slow down this time of year and really start to think plan A, plan B, plan C, and do it in a logical manner that doesn't allow you to really overanalyze everything, right? Um, what I like to do this time of year, especially if I'm not hunting, is look at look at my tree stand locations or look at past data or on my Onyx or on a map and say, all right, so if I have a west wind, here are three stands that I want to hunt. You know, here's the historical data through trail cameras or current data through trail cameras that eliminates these two. So on a west wind, this is my first opportunity. Same thing with every wind direction, right? Here's my access route. Can I hunt this stand on a on multiple wind directions? Yes. Well, then I need a different access route for each wind direction. So um, that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking about, the stuff that I'm thinking about right now. Uh, double checking my gear, making sure all that's on point. I continue to shoot throughout this, this whole time and, uh, you know, do all these things to get closer to a big, fat, bodied, mature buck. That's the goal anyway. And um, hopefully what I briefly talked about today helps you guys, help you, helps <laughs> you guys um, start thinking about, your plan for the next, you know, four weeks because it's starting to get good. And the mid, especially in the Midwest, man, we're going to have some colder temperatures coming through in the next two weeks and uh, it could get good really fast. So good luck to everybody. Please be safe and uh, keep me posted when you end up shooting your deer this year. I'd love to uh, see pictures and don't be afraid to send me a picture of a doe or a spike buck, man. Every single deer is a trophy. Uh, and, um, man, same, same with the meat, right? So, uh, good luck, be safe and, uh, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast, the average conservationist, the, oh, wait, where am I at here? 
Uh, average conservation is Vortex Optics, Ozonics, Wasp, and the Lone Wolf Tree Stands. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Make sure that you guys are subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Good luck again. Good luck again. Keep me posted. We'll talk to you next time.